Oh, hello, and welcome. I am Marcolina Lyon, and you are listening to Into the World We Go. I am a healing healer who has claimed back her birthright of belonging on this planet, and I'm here to build a loving, supportive, and connective community of fellow healing healers evolving on their own personal journey of self-discovery, self-knowing, and reunifying their relationship with the goddess and God within and around them. As we follow our path of uncovering what makes us wildly human and mysteriously spirit, I offer this platform as a safe space for those who are awakening to who they truly are while they are letting go of all they've been told to be. May we walk forward in our path with our heads held high, our hearts as our armor, and our souls as our ultimate guide. If you are ready, take my hand and let's dive in together into the world we go. As the lion emerges from the darkness of its lion's den and into the light, a majestic creature beaming in the sun's rays, what we bear witness of is the unparalleled harmony of a powerful, divinely feminine and divinely masculine being that is you. Lion Soul Pack is an online monthly membership group made up of and for healing healers desiring community and spirituality during life and sensual transformation. Through movement, dance, sacred sharing, and visualizations, find safety in being witnessed just as you are. We are a beautiful, spiritually-led group that strongly encourages all to come in their raw form. We do not offer advice, rather we offer a space where you feel safe to express the unspoken words and truths that you hold within and delve into the wonder of your own body through movement. If you are interested in joining, the first gathering is free. Head over to www.marklinalion.com for more information. I implore you to come as you are, stand in your ground, rooted, strong, and empowered with your soul pack. Hi, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Into the World We Go. I'm your host, Marcolina Lyon, also known as Sofa Lyon. And today I have a very special guest, Nur Jahan, who I met on TikTok. She does belly dancing, teaches it. Um, she talks about many different things and just is such an inspirational person that I've had the privilege to speak with her today and have her on this podcast. And I know that you all are going to just love her as much as I do. So why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself, please? Ah, thank you. I'm so excited to be here. And I'm so happy that we got to connect on TikTok. Um, I feel like I'm making all these friends on TikTok. <laughs> <laughs> all my online friends now. Um, so I grew up belly dancing. It's part of my culture. It was passed down generation after generation in my family, among the women in my family. And so I practiced it my whole life. And we danced together as women in you know, courtyards or in living rooms. We dance in circles, cheering each other on, and each person kind of takes a turn in the middle. It was my biggest passion growing up. Um, dancing has always been one of my biggest passions. 
And when I got to college, there were, it was my first exposure to Western style teaching and dance. And it was very different. It was choreography and it was, um, it was less about freedom of movement and tapping into your sensuality and all that stuff. It was much more structured. So I started to miss belly dance when I was in college, but I met a couple of other people. I had a good friend who was from Lebanon and another friend who was from Iraq. And they both grew up belly dancing too, with very similar traditions to mine, but very different dance styles. And so we decided to teach belly dance on campus together. And we opened it up to students and faculty and staff. And every Saturday morning, we would teach belly dance on campus and let it be this safe space for people to be fully self-expressed where we got to share our cultural tradition. And it was so fun. And I was, you know, trying to decide whether I was brave enough to have dance be my thing, be the thing that I pursued after college. It was very taboo, A, for me to pursue dance because it's not really seen as a you know, quote, good job, um, especially if you've just <laughs> gone through college, right? So you're supposed to go do something that involves education in that kind of way. Um, but B, because women in my family and in my culture don't dance in public. And so just the idea of doing any kind of dance beyond just teaching in a room with women um, was extremely taboo. And I, I didn't know if I was brave enough to do that. You know, I'd heard growing up that women who dance in public or move their bodies in public or show their bodies in public, um, bad things happen to them. I'll put it that way. I heard story after story of bad things that happened to women because they were dancing or moving or existing in public spaces. And, um, the summer before my senior year, I was still trying to decide, um, you know, whether or not I was brave enough to dance. Um, I was invited to a wedding. It was one of my cousin's weddings in Toronto, Canada. And I flew out there for the weekend. Um, the wedding took place afterwards. We had never gone, we'd never been to Toronto before. So my cousin and I, uh, we were with a couple family friends and we wanted to explore the city. We wanted to go out karaokeing or go out salsa dancing. Um, we ended up at a reggae nightclub. And as we were kind of talking about, you know, what should we do afterwards? Should we go get milkshakes? What are you going to, what are we going to end up doing tonight? Um, cause we were done with the dance portion of things. There was a shooting. And uh, it was a random shooting as far as I was concerned. I didn't know anyone involved, but um, they ended up killing the man next to me who was just standing nearby. Um, I got shot in the leg and another man got shot in the foot. The whole nightclub was cleared out. People were running and screaming. Um, my cousin and our family friends stayed with me because obviously I couldn't run even though we didn't know where the shooter was, whether or not they were still in the building. And they did everything that they could to help keep me alive and keep the, the man who ended up not making it alive. It took the SWAT team over 30 minutes to get to us. And in that time, the man next to me bled out. Um, by the way, I realized it's a very intense introduction of myself. <laughs> dove into telling my whole deep dark story so just bear with me okay <laughs> so anybody who's listening to this is like i thought she was gonna say she was a teacher 
I love it. I love it. I love it so much. I, I have to be honest with you. There, there was a moment where I was like, wow, this is a, a very, yeah. <laughs> we're going in and I'm here. Yeah. It. I'm for, okay. I'm here for we're all, all of it. We're like in a dark night, nightclub floor. Okay. So that moment changed my entire life. You know, it changed all of the plans. It, it changed, it made everything that was trivial much bigger. And some ways, you know, after something really big happens to you, you can go in different directions, right? Some people are like, YOLO, I almost died. Like I need to make the best of it. Um, I pretended to do that. So I pretended that, you know, nothing can stop me. Um, after I got shot, I, you know, I was in a wheelchair for a while and, um, I overheard one of my aunties say, well, what did she expect? She went out dancing, right? So getting shot was the consequence to me going out dancing. And, you know, when I think back on it and I think about the experience that I had, getting shot was one kind of trauma, but that shame that I felt afterwards, that guilt that I felt for making this decision to break the rules and go out dancing and then you know, the quote, natural consequence being that I then got shot and now can't dance. Um, that weighed on me for a really long time. And for the first year or so, I tried to pretend that nothing could stop me. You know, when I ended up, when I was on crutches, I, I tried to dance on one leg. I tried to go out and keep pursuing different kinds of dance. I didn't go back to belly dance. Um, because I knew I would never be able to belly dance the same way that I used to. You know, it was, it was my joy. It was my pride. It was my belly dance was everything to me. And the idea of doing it and not doing it well felt if I was, there was a lot of shame with it. I know also now that one of the reasons I didn't go back to belly dance was because belly dance forces you to connect with your body, with the good, the bad, the every part of your body. And I was terrified to connect to my body, you know, it's like my, the trauma felt like a severing of, of myself from this body that I now hated because it didn't move in the same way. And over the next decade, I, instead of making the most of it, closed in on myself. I was, I was filled with fear, like a visceral fear, scared to go outside, to go to the store, to go to work. I literally bought ladders for everybody in the second floor of my building in case somebody came in and started shooting. That's how my mind, that was a decade after my shooting. This is all or six years after or something like that. So all of these things are cycling through my mind constantly over the course of all of these years. I wasn't dancing. I wasn't moving in my body. Sometimes I couldn't even walk. I, I was on and off using a cane. Um, because it turned out, I found out eight years after my shooting, after going to the doctor for eight years saying, it feels like my leg's still broken. I, I have to walk with a cane. I'm in my twenties and I'm walking with a cane and they kept being like, well, you got shot. Sometimes that happens, but it turned out that my, my leg was still broken. I still had a hole where the bullet had gone through that never healed. So I ended up getting surgery and I was like, great, now I can do all the thing. Now I can walk, I can run, I can dance, but I couldn't. I still had debilitating pain in my leg. And my doctor was like, your leg's fixed. It's not your leg that's the problem, basically. But I still had that pain. And I realized that a lot of it was connected to shame. And so I started, 
This is a long story that I'm going to make very short by just saying I decided to face my fears and the pain and the shame by going outside and dancing wildly down the street. And it sounds so silly when I tell you that I just did that. It was a long process of getting to this point with a lot of a lot of layers being kind of pulled off. <laughs> like I was shedding layers little by little of shame and fear. And I realized my biggest fear is dancing in public. And my pride is stopping me from doing it because I know I'm going to dance badly because I haven't danced in a decade and my leg is, is hurting and I can't do what I used to do. So I decided to just do it badly and I did it badly and I did it badly and I did it badly. I let all the shame come up until I started being able to walk again until I started being able to run again. And this was on a leg that was still hurting, but I started being kind to it instead of hating it. And then I started belly dancing again and reconnecting with this sense of sensuality that I had pushed down because I thought that that's the piece that got me in trouble. Being a woman living in this body and showing my beauty and sensuality in a public space and then it was a whole other layer when I decided to start dancing publicly. And so I, I started really started dancing publicly in this year, which sounds wild. But before that, I, I was I was like, oh, I'm going to I'll teach belly dance publicly, but I just won't do it. I'll just show moves, but I won't fully express it. That way I won't look like I'm being sensual in public. You know, so I, I put up YouTube tutorials of me wearing just like yoga pants and a tank top. And I was like, here's this move and here's that move. But this year is the year that I decided, you know what, I'm going to shed all that shame. I'm going to show my joy. I'm going to show my sensuality and I'm going to do it fearlessly. And it's all come crashing down on me in a lot of ways in the sense that there's a, there's a big response of people who don't like it. Um, and including people in my family and people in my community who think that what I'm doing is disgusting and disturbing and problematic. And also I, you know, in the past couple of months have ended up with hundreds of thousands of followers of women who have felt the same way as me. You know, we don't have the same story, but have felt that sense of shame and disconnection from their bodies and are excited to reconnect with it. And so I'm I'm loving sharing. I'm loving sharing that through belly dance and through this cultural practice that's had so much value in my life and has also been taught to me in a way that it's meant to be private. And I'm changing that and challenging that and allowing myself to teach it publicly. And it's scary and hard. And I question myself all the time, but that's where I'm at. And that's why I'm here with you. <laughs> I made that a very long intro, but you know, that's all that the was. <laughs> that was definitely one of the most beautiful, powerful, inspiring intros I've ever had the pleasure to have on this podcast. So thank you. I feel actually a little emotional by what you shared, to be honest with you. And I'm trying to like, hold, I'm like, hold it back, but I do think it's important to just share. Don't like, hold it back, yeah. Thank you for showing up and healing your sensual trauma and expressing that because it really helps. And we don't have the same story, but like I really felt that, like what you're doing for all of us. And 
so many women like hide in their rooms in shame and because of what they have as physical features and we're blamed for it we're blamed for it mm-hmm. for how other people can't control or the thoughts they think and they project it and this is the freedom and liberation you're giving all of us and gosh i'm just so grateful <laughs> thank you Thank you so much. Thank you. I feel like we're doing it together. Honestly, I feel most of the time I don't feel like I'm not strong enough to do this by myself. So I follow people like you who are doing it too. So I can feel like, look, we're dancing together in community and we're lifting each other up because I really believe that our bodies are not going to stop being problematic until we tell everyone and show everyone that me being in a public space and filling up space with my body is not sinful, is not disgusting or disturbing, is not deserving of consequence. It's deserving of love. I feel like we have to show that to each other and to ourselves in order to change society's view of it. Absolutely. And I think it's like, it's so important for, for people to witness. Like often I know people have said it to you. They've said it to me of like, you're just confident. Look at the way you are. Of course, of course you would just do what you do. And (laughs) I I, I always laugh when people say stuff like you're so confident. I'm like, really? It's like I was just curled up in a ball crying 10 minutes before I just shook my ass for TikTok. Like, get the hell out of here. Do you know how how hard it was for me to press the post button on that video? (laughs) Literally. Literally. You know, and I was, it it reminds me of something I heard yesterday of like six, um, no, talent is only 10%, and it's the hard work that's 90%. And so often people observe talent or observe like just this idea of easy and just assume that life just falls into place because of what they observe, but they don't realize it's actually the hard work that shows up, the hard work that goes into showing up for the quote unquote easy things. You know what yes. I mean? And yeah, we have the ability to to dance, you know, and there's skill in, in our moves, but man, to get ourselves to do it too, we have the same restraints. We we live in the same cages. That like, just because someone can roll their body really well doesn't mean that they feel safe doing it. And, and all of that, or that they think they can roll their body well. Like yeah. I honestly, one of I wrote. So my um, my friend encouraged me to project five years into the future and write a letter to my current self, thanking me for everything that I did to get me to whatever my goal was. Right. And in that letter, I was like, I'm so proud of you for dancing in public because if you're on the, during the times when you're good at it, you'll inspire people and they'll love your beauty. But in the times that you suck at it, even if you suck at it the entire way, you'll inspire people to dance no matter how they feel about themselves. Mm -hmm. And in my mind, when I was writing that letter, I was like, you're a bad dancer, but it doesn't matter. That's not, it's not whether or not you're a good dancer. It's whether or not you're brave enough to dance. I didn't feel like a good dancer until like after my shooting, until I started getting feedback. And I was like, maybe I need to stop talking to myself so badly. I keep telling myself that I'm a bad dancer, but I'm still like doing the same cycle of critique, right? I have that same voice in my head that says, Mm. you're never going to be as good as you were before this happened, you know? And that means it's time to let it go. 
So I, even the people that you think, oh, they have talent, <laughs> they might not think that they have talent, right? And you might not think that you have talent, but you do have talent. You just haven't gone out there and put yourself out there for it. I, I could not agree more. I could not agree more. And I think I, I, I feel like one of the gifts that I, I hear that you are giving and, and I'm wanting to give is this like finding home within self. You know, that, yes. that movement is not talent. Movement is a birthright. Movement is natural. It's one of yes. your main things, you know, it's as natural as you breathe. Like your lungs just know to take in air. Your body just knows how to to express and tell stories and and release through movement and understand through movement. And yeah, it, honestly, and I love that you capture the like being bad at it. Because as someone who like, I trained dance for 12 years. So I grew up in a dance culture that was like, you had to be the best in order to be valuable, to be in the front, to be in the center. And I always hated that part because I just love to dance. Like I just love to dance. Yes. It just made me feel so good. And it was when I was in a space where you had to be the best, like that it just tainted it for me, you know? And I always yeah. just wished that we just could dance together. And I always felt like we would dance so much better if we just dance together rather than trying to be this individual like alpha of dance, you know what yes. I mean? Yeah, that's what, so one of my favorite parts about belly dancing, the way that we do it in my culture is that so much of it is about failing. Like it's about going into the middle and trying to do something and be like, guys, am I doing it? Like, is this it? Oh no, or I fell down or I like couldn't get off. I went down to the ground cause I'm so brave, but now I can't get up. Cause somebody helped me. <laughs> cause it's, it's, about seeing the beauty in everyone, but it is literally in Swahili to dance. The word is kucheza, which is the same thing as to play. It's the same word. The words are interchangeable. And that's what it feels like. We're playing. And I can't, on TikTok and places like that, that's another place where I said, because it's not a dialogue, you're just putting something out into the world. You, you don't get a full picture of things. And the same thing on TikTok, I'm dancing by myself because my family members and my relatives, like my community doesn't dance in public. So I can't show you what it looks like when we're all dancing together and we're doing silly things together. The best I can do is talk through something and show how silly it looks like when I'm practicing it. But when you see the finished product, you think, oh, she just does this so nicely. But like I did that 17 times before I got <laughs> before I got the shot that I wanted to get. You know what I mean? I feel like we don't get to see that. And it's it's dangerous. It changes it changes people's perception of what it looks like to be successful or to do things well. Because there's so much failure you don't see it's it's so true and and it really is the it's the fact that we um fear failure is why we yeah. end up failing and not using failure as our catapult to actually our greatest success you know yes. and and it's this idea that if we fail then we suck and it's and that's why i don't love like fake it till you make it i hate that because it, it, it instills the concept that you aren't worthy of being seen until you're perfect so you yes. have to fake it but it's like i need to watch someone fall more than I need to see someone land fuete turns. Like, you know what I mean? Yes. And I was actually um, untamed by Glennon Doyle. She says uh, she wants to learn how to play. Have you read it? I've read portions of it, but I haven't read uh, the whole thing. Yes. I love that book. But there's a part where she um, she's speaking about like how she learns how to play guitar and she's not the best singer. And she's like, 
her dream is to now be on an audience singing and she wants to be the singer where you don't look at her and wish you sounded like her. You look at her and you think I could do that too because she does it. Yes. Oh, I just hit myself in the head. When I <laughs> yes. <laughs> we knocked that shit right in. <laughs> yes. But that's exactly the thing. Okay. Hang on. I, there are two things in what you just said. I wholeheartedly agree. And I think that's the piece that people lose sight of. They lose sight. They think that, oh, I have to be good at this in order to do it. But when you show people your process or you show people that like, I'm not good at it, but I'm doing it anyways. Number one, that's true confidence. Like that, if you can let people see your underbelly or whatever you call it, I don't know if there's a word for it, but if you let people see the hard parts, that's confidence. Confidence doesn't come from just showing like, here's what it looks like to have a clean cut, perfect, whatever. It's, you can see all of me and I'm okay with that. It's vulnerability and it's so powerful and so beautiful. And the other side that I wanted to talk about is so many people come on to my, um, my TikTok and say things like, oh my goodness, I love your dresses. I want to dress like that. Or I love your, I love that move. I wish I could move like that. Or, or even I love your hair, which is hilarious because it's like my hair is thinning and I've, I've lost so much hair. It's funny to me when they compliment stuff where I'm like, you're not, you're not seeing, it's not my hair and it's not my dresses and it's not my moves. What you want is to feel as good in your body as I'm feeling in my body in this moment. That's what's drawing you to me right now. When I'm dancing, I feel so good and I feel so joyful and I'm loving my body because I'm, it's actually a practice that teaches that. And it doesn't mean I love my body a hundred percent of the day, or I love, you know, any part of myself a hundred percent of the day because I'm struggling and I'm trying to teach myself different things or I, you know, we go up and down and all around. But in the moments that you're seeing me dance, what you're seeing is this feeling good in my body. And I, that's, what's drawing you to me. It's not, it's definitely not my hair. And it's definitely not like some of the clothes that I wear, some of the clothes that I wear, I stole from my mom's closet because they were dresses that she didn't like that I didn't like, that nobody liked, right? They were like, oh, this is just not really cute. You know what I mean? They're like 20 years old. They don't fit me well. They're too big or they're too whatever. But I'm like, oh, I just want different colors. So I went and I took a bunch of these old dresses that nobody cares about. They are not cute dresses, naturally. They are not cute dresses. And then you're like, oh my goodness, that dress. It's not the dress that you're loving. It's the feeling. And I, I wish that I could I'm impart that that's what I'm trying to explain like it's not about looking like somebody else it's not about like these little things that we're taught to admire about people like the way that you did your makeup although I love watching people do their makeup but it's it, the, it's not something that you can buy from the store right we are always taught like in order to improve yourself or to get to this level of perfection that they've set the standard for, for women, which is impossible. But you need to buy all these things and you need to fix yourself and you need to do, it's actually anchoring yourself in, in who you already are in what you already have and what you can already do. And then be willing to fail and stretch and get comfortable with the discomfort of navigating your body as it changes that's the value. I think that's what draws people in to belly dance, the practice that I'm doing. 
I com- I agree wholeheartedly, and I and I hope that my listeners really do understand that because I feel like you really did capture that so beautifully of what you are desiring in another person is actually the energy and feeling more than what you are looking at. So when you like notice your mind being like, oh, well, of course, if they had, if I had that body, or if I had that clothes, or if I had that hair, then I would do it. it and it's not, you, you do it now. It's a feeling like what you're witnessing is watching someone do something they love. Yeah. That's, that's what you're watching. That's what yes. you're desiring is to witness your own self doing something you love. And if you haven't watched yourself do something you love, I strongly recommend you recording yourself yes. and doing so. Because TikTok's really helped a lot with that for me. And it too, like it wasn't until I got you know, some comments and feedback of like, yeah, I like what you're doing that I brought it back. And, you know, I, I left dance for a while for different reasons. Um, but what brought me back is witnessing other people just loving it and doing it. And it's like, that's home. Like that's home. Yes, exactly. And so funny because when I watch your videos, I think those same things. I'm like, oh my goodness, I love her hair. Oh my goodness, her smile is so beautiful. So I'm thinking that the things that I like about you are like, are are these physical characteristics or these things that I'm admiring? And what it's probably your joy. It's probably your your anchoring in this practice that you love. It's so it's radiant. And I think we don't know how to name it. We don't really have great words or great language to describe what it feels like when you see somebody truly in their element. So we try to pinpoint these little things. And I said, I talked about how, and you just mentioned it, um, the comments, like people saying, oh, I like it or, oh, I, and for me, that was really, it was, um, it was, Inspiring isn't the right word. I'm trying to think of the word that says like it was validating. Okay, it's very validating for me. And I've also my practice is trying to get comfortable with also having n- not validation, right? The hardest comments for me are ones who say, "Oh, you're a bad dancer or you really should take lessons. You you do the same moves over and over again." And there are co- there are so many comments that come in like that and I'm like, "Oh, like it's jabbing me right where it hurts because that's that was my insecurity, right? I can't do all the moves that I used to do because my body doesn't do them." My, I do the moves that my body that bring my body joy and I try to stretch outside of my comfort zone. But there are also going to be things that I that my my body has changed. Right. And I can't it doesn't do all the things that it used to do. And so I realize that if I let the positive comments carry me, I'm also letting the negative comments bring me down. And my goal is to be able to put my art out there. And then let it exist. Let people comment on it. Let people have opinions on it, but recognize that their comments are the feelings that they're feeling based on where they are in their lives and their moment. But if I love what I'm doing and I'm finding joy from it and I know that I'm being courageous and bold by doing this, that's enough for me. And it's easier said than done. So I'm saying that I do that, but that's that's the practice, right? <laughs> so but you know tiktok's a battleground sometimes so it's not always like that yeah no i it's definitely a humbling experience in the the ways that we create content and and show up 
you know, yeah. and and it uh, it's so easy to watch people and just say it's 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 easy what they're doing. Yeah. Um, and actually, Jim Ron said uh, that I was listening to recently. He said, "Find what's easy for you and do it every single day." Mm-hmm. And and so, I think a lot of us get caught up in this like I'm repetitive, but it takes a, a single person seven times to hear something before they get it. And there's over seven billion people in this world, right? Yeah, is there seven billion people? Um, there's a lot of people, and. So imagine how many times, seven times you have to do that for every single person. Yeah. And so f- for those people who are like, it's repetitive, I think it's a great thing. It's actually a great thing because you should be reminded every single day. You should watch those movements. You should understand repetition and consistency more than wanting to just new, 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 new. You know, it's the focusing yeah. on what already exists, the appreciation. And I think the two best things you could do in this world is inspire people and trigger people. And if you're Ooh, doing Oh, that was a good statement. Okay. <laughs> and if you're doing those two things, then I think you're doing it all right. So thank you for being a trigger and thank you for being an inspiration because that's how we change. And that's the wow. only way we really reflect on ourselves. So that is so powerful because I well for a lot of reasons, but because I've I've only realized the value of being triggered in the last maybe five years, ever since I started really working through all of the stuff that I went through, um, you know, after the shooting, being triggered is it's like a, a catalyst for growth being triggered. It's an invitation to say, Oh my goodness, I've been holding on to this pain for all this time. I can either work through it or push it back down and wait for it to explode in some other way later. But it surfaces it for us so that we can actually address it and work through it. So I love that that you put it in such a positive way, you know, inspiring people or triggering people. And sometimes it's one and the same, you know? Yeah, because I know for me, the my greatest inspirations came from a trigger when somebody mm. causing pain for me. And it's not until we start to empower that and start taking like suffering and changing it into pain that we change it then into power because we're not suffering from what happened to us. We're feeling the pain of what happened to us. And then we're able to then heal from that. So when you recognize like, Hey, I'm being triggered by this, it's a pain, you know, that's, that's an emotional baggage. That's an emotional wound within self. And even for us, like recently I had online soul pack and my group, my online group, one of my members was like, Mark Lena, you trigger me so much. Like, I don't like, she's like, I love you. But like, sometimes you just trigger the shit out of me. <laughs> and she's like, and I know I need it. <laughs> and I too don't like to trigger people. Like that's something I'm healing from as well as like a people pleaser. But it's like, man, when you're the chosen one to help like heal this planet, that's that's what you're destined to do. And the thing I wanted to say, um, going back, because you said there's no word for what it feels like when we're moving and some you're witnessing somebody yeah. in that. The word that came to me is what you're witnessing is God. Mm-hmm. That is the essence of God. Is when you witness somebody fully connected to the depth of their soul and the whatever they're doing that they love. Like yeah. that to me is like universe saying it's like universe. Yeah, it's alignment because universe, that's what that's what I teach. That's what I've, I believe in, that universe wants the best for us and always wants that vibration. And so what's the highest vibration you could reach? And I believe it especially stems from your sensual energy. 
And so when you are witnessing somebody aligned within their sensual power, you're witnessing the essence of God. And I, and that's what you are craving. And that is what is possible for everybody. And that's why it's so important what we're teaching because it isn't about this physical being. What you see is energy from us. You see a light and you don't even notice it because you're so human, but what you actually are witnessing is like a light and, yeah. and your mind puts features because that's what, that's just, that's a human part of us. But what your soul sees is another soul. And that's why you're aligned with it. And that's also why you're triggered by it because your trigger is also a sign that we have a contract. I'm like, it's meant to happen, you know? And same with that inspiration. There's contracts that we made with each other in other realms to say, hey, well, let's meet up later on and you're gonna help me with this. And you're like, okay, I'm gonna sign this. And then all of a sudden they're like, I hate the work you do. And you're like, you're so mean. <laughs> so it's like, you know what, gratitude, gratitude for the haters, gratitude for the lovers. And you send them, you send them all peace and harmony because at the end of the day, like, May you heal from the things that cause you enough pain to project it onto another. Mm -hmm. And may you accept the love that is available to you because at the end of the day, like we just want to love, <laughs> especially us, like the, us, these sensual movement, like leaders that I feel yeah. that we are, that is our goal is to spread like the vibration of love in a way that yeah. we never have. Like we have such a strong power, especially in our womb, you know? Yeah. And cultivating that energy within that space and our being, you know, it's such a brave, courageous thing. Yeah. Cause it's so vulnerable. It. Yeah. And to be, it's, it's a practice in public vulnerability in a way that we have all been taught and ingrained in us that if you practice that form of vulnerability, bad things happen. Now, whether or not somebody said that directly, I had very direct uh teachings when i was younger about how dangerous it is to be vulnerable in that way publicly um but whether or not you've been told directly we feel it indirectly all the time and some of us also have a lot of lived experiences that tell us if you do this bad things happen and i think the power in what we're doing is that we're doing it anyway it's not that i think oh everything you know when I, when I went out dancing and I got shot and then the conclusion I drew was, you know, I got shot because I was out dancing and that was a bad thing. I no longer make that connection. I no longer think that I deserve to be punished because I'm dancing publicly. And also at the same time, I recognize that I live in a world where harm is done against women constantly, especially women who are in any way in a public space. I mean, that's, it's, it's debate. I don't want to say it in that way because I do think that women, when women show up in powerful ways, I think that it will change things. And I think it does change things. And also what we're doing is big and is vulnerable. And we are still susceptible to that kind of violence and danger because people don't like it when we step out and we challenge the status quo. So it's not like we're doing this because it's safe now. We're doing this because we wanna make it safe for everybody. And I think the more of us that are able to do it, the bigger the impact. You know, you might look and be like, oh, there are already people that are doing this kind of thing. Well, we need you to do it too. We literally need everybody who is willing to and able to do it 
to do it because we all speak to different people in different ways. We are all using different practices. We're all going to reach different audiences. Like you said, you know, how many people are there in the world? We all, we need more than 10, 20, 30, 40. We need, we need millions of us. And the more that we have that are doing this and being vulnerable in public spaces, either through sensual dance practice, it doesn't have to be through that, or doing whatever it is that you love and you're passionate about and being willing to fail and being willing to share that art or that talent or that passion in whatever way it shows up with the world. Absolutely. Absolutely. No, I love that. I, I'm, <laughs> I am thoroughly enjoying this conversation and it is so like nourishing to my soul. Like, oh my gosh, like I was unaware of how much healing I, I needed in this area. And also just like we all do. The, <laughs> the connection to another woman about this topic and such a, and, and, you know, I, I love the work I do. I don't always socialize with people who are doing it though. Um, in the, in the same way. And so it's just so inspiring and so refreshing and so nourishing like to have this conversation with you and and really just motivating like i feel much more motivated because you know we all go through our shifts and stuff and and yeah. and there's definitely different layers of shame you know and what you witness in someone even like a month ago like they like we move through things and you know I, i've been taking steps back and and moving all around and it just it this conversation today has really just shown me like you got to show up like you have to show up and not leave people hanging at the end of the day like no matter like what you're receiving like you you're showing up for people like me and and so many others and you know i'm talking to myself too you show up for me and i show up for you yeah <laughs> um but yeah like it just uh, it's so beautiful and actually it brings me to what i i would love for us to to talk about next um is how has community helped you heal during your process of after the shooting and, you know, through belly dancing? Man, that's the first, that question is like exactly, it's my biggest passion and it is, it's been everything to me because after the shooting, you know, something that shame does is it gets you to self-isolate. And I had shame around so many different things, not only feeling like I deserve to be shot, but also because I had survivor's guilt, you know, the man, who was next to me was killed. And I, for so long felt like I should have been the one who died and had so much guilt around just being alive. And I held it all inside partially one, because I knew that people would judge me for being out at night. Obviously I deserve to get shot. Right. That was, that was the first piece of shame. I'm just saying that I don't actually believe that people deserve that. Um, and then the other reason I felt shame was because I survived and I should stop feeling bad for myself. I'm so many people told me you're so lucky to be alive. You're so blessed that you survived. And I didn't feel lucky. You know, I was in a nightclub with like, I was on vacation in a random city in a nightclub with 600 plus people. And I was one of three people that got shot. It didn't feel lucky. You know, I didn't even know the situation. So I didn't feel lucky but that voice in my head kept going like you're lucky to be alive don't complain don't talk about hurting how dare you and so i isolated 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 and it it literally was not until i was willing to say it out loud so i was willing to share 
what happened that night, how I've been feeling since then, you know, crying, shaking, talking about the guilt, and also talking about the genuine feeling of loss and sadness. It took me so many layers just to talk about the fact that I was sad I couldn't dance. You know, how privileged are you to be to be lucky enough to be alive, but then sad that you can't dance? Get over it. Those were the kinds of things that I was telling myself. But when I said it out loud and I told other people how I was feeling, I was met with so much more compassion than I was willing to give myself. I had no idea that that kind of compassion even existed because I wasn't giving myself an ounce of it. And meanwhile, I would have given anybody else who talked about their stuff all the compassion in the world, except that what I realized was that every time I have a judgment about somebody else, it's because I'm not, I'm judging myself. It's, it's a, it's an area that I haven't given myself compassion and that's why I'm putting my judgment on other people. So while I probably thought I would have given everybody else in the world compassion. I was probably also judging other survivors who got shot and, you know, and didn't die. You have to, because if you're judging yourself, you know, you don't, you don't have the capacity for that kind of compassion. But anyways, it wasn't until I said it out loud. The first time I shared my story publicly, it was to a crowd of 300 plus people. Um, and I was invited to speak by another gun violence survivor. At the time, I didn't identify as a survivor. I, I thought that term was ridiculous because it felt like it was glorifying something that didn't deserve glory. Um, and I hated that word. It just triggered my guilt in a big way. Um, but that survivor, she was the first person to kind of pull me out of my shell and to show me compassion. And then I started seeking out other survivors and hearing their stories and sharing my story. And then I started looking for, for me, traditional therapy never worked. Um, and I think because it was very isolating, you know, my problem was isolation. And then I'm in a room with one other person and it, it doesn't feel like I'm, it was hard for me to let go of the shame without facing it. And so I needed to be in groups with other people. So I started looking for um, different conferences or retreats or practices that involved community. And the most powerful one was this group of women. It was like 30 or so women. And at one point, you know, each of us took turns going in the middle and expressing ourselves, whatever. I had a breakdown and I was in the middle and I, I felt like if I let myself feel all the feelings I had, I was going to die. It was bringing me right back to the, to the shooting and feeling like I should have been the one to die. And they all came over to me they had me lay on my back and they all put their hands on me while I was shaking and crying and I couldn't even speak. And they just stayed there until I stopped shaking until I like felt all of the horrible feelings that I had been holding inside of myself for so long. And that community of women, I don't think I could have recovered without being held. Like I needed to be physically held. I needed to be surrounded by people who felt safe. And that's what belly dance has always been. It's being surrounded by people who feel safe. It's being held, you know, either physically, you know, 
or emotionally or just being celebrated by other other women in my community that's how it goes and being uplifted and getting to be fully self-expressed and I realized that that was the biggest value that belly dance ever had for me. So now I have, I actually lead programs. I have six week programs where it's about women coming together and being there for each other and working through what we're struggling with while also like physically embodying the different emotions that come up through dance. And that community is everything. I don't I don't know if you can heal from shame and isolation because shame is isolation. So um, for me, community is everything. I can't do the stuff that I'm doing on TikTok without the community of women that I have. Like all of my all of my mutual friends on TikTok, that was the first thing I did when I started TikTok. I really started in earnest at the beginning of this year. And I started looking for other women who were doing something similar, who I felt like I could connect with. I felt like we could be in this together. And I feel like I found it. Like I, I have all of these women that I, I love seeing their stuff and I love when they pop up on my stuff. And it feels like, it feels like we're doing it together. We need each other. We can't do this in isolation and heal. You can push through and hold it in and do it. But like, if you want there to be healing in it, you need space for vulnerability. You need space for compassion and love. You need witnesses. And that's what that's what the community is to me. So yeah, community is everything. Oh my gosh, that was so beautiful. Wow. <laughs> Thank you. I, I, I could listen to you tell stories like <laughs> <laughs> the same way. I feel like you could just talk all day. I know. Oh my God. And it's just like, you, you just, you take us on a journey, you know, and, and the way you express and like, I just, I feel it so deeply in, in my heart space and, and that vibration of that experience of you with those women and how they held you and the way you have lifted, you know, and walked since then, you know, literally and metaphorically, you know, you have literally started to lift yourself because you allowed support of others. And that isolation piece is so important to me, you know, because I too am someone who chose isolation based off of what was taught. And it's like mind safety way of saying, let's not deal with it. Like if we isolate yeah. and we don't fully talk about it, you know, then we're safe and we're really not. Yeah and community, especially within women, you know, I think a lot of us have a really mixed relationship with women because women are purposely taught to be feared. Yep. So, and to we, fear each other <laughs> and to fear each other, to hate and each to other, keep each other in our places. Yes. And, and police each other. And I love how um, honest you are about your judgment piece because it's so fucking true and nobody <laughs> nobody admits that nobody will admit that i wouldn't admit that until you said it and you called me out on all the things i have judged recently <laughs> but i'm like fuck fuck she's right it's a trigger <laughs> it's just another trigger it's right? just another beautiful trigger but you know yeah, what happens triggers like can turn into things that make you actually smile and have awareness because yeah 
when you separate from like the piece of like, I suck because I, I recognize a trigger that I feels out of control and you're like, oh, I recognize a trigger. Now I can, I can talk about, I could feel. Yeah. Um, but I tying back to that community piece, it was not until community for myself too, was I able to process that. And yeah. you know, that like we, isolation is a form of self-sabotage. And it's yeah. a it's a choice to say that I'm going to exist but not live anymore. Yeah, and Ugh. we don't deserve that. Like we deserve to be living until our last breath. You know, exactly. we were talking before we got on here and how people will be in their for like 40 years old and they'll just say like that's it, my life's over. I even think when oh. people are are 60, and and I if know. they live until 80, that's 20 years left. 20 years 20. of feeling like you're done. No. No. No, no, because there's nothing you're going to regret more than to look back on a life of a knowing that you had a purpose greater within and you chose to keep it quiet. Yeah, because you didn't want to feel because you chose to isolate because you didn't take responsibility for the emotions going on. And also take the action to say I need help, you know, to put away your pride and let those limiting beliefs go away and i also want to like highlight like i understand too like at least I'm, I'm hearing through your stories and experiences that part of the choice of isolation was because of what you received yeah. and it you know and i know that that's not like that is not unique just to you for many is the reason why people isolate is because what they received but when you start to allow yourself to open and accept that you're deserving to have people understand you because you want to understand yourself. That's what you attract. And you have yeah. to become an active creator in your life to your healing, to your journey. And, you know, yeah. I thank you for being so brave and, and courageous to sit in that, you know, and to do that work. Like you, you fucking did the walks through hell, dude. Like, <laughs> and you come here and you smile and you, you have, it this felt like great, that. <laughs> it really is. Cause that's, and that's, we all go through it, you know, that's what life is. Life is heaven and hell. You know, this is our heaven and this is also our hell. And it's in our mind that what you start to live an entire existence based off of. Yeah. So this life could be a beautiful heaven for you with the knowing that shit happens. Yeah. Or it could be a terrible hell for you with the expectation that hell just keeps rolling in with fire. You like, know, exactly. Exactly. I, I remember feeling the shift because for me, the the uh, phrase to live by that I decided on after my shooting was basically the world is chaos and there's nothing you can do about it. Right. So it, it was bad things happen all the time and they ruin people's lives. That was what I decided was the way that life goes. So the best thing I can do was to try to hide from the chaos as much as possible. And I, what I, what I shifted that to, and I, I hate it when people are just, just talk about like change your mentality. Yeah, absolutely change your mentality. And also there are feelings that go with that. So you can't ignore all the feelings that you have, like address the feelings. It's not just positive vibes only and just change how you're thinking. Like, really, do you have to do the work of like, processing all those feelings, which can feel like walking through hell sometimes. But the the shift that I have made, which I feel so much better about, is that, you know, there's there's so much beauty to live. There's so much there's so much 
the world is so freaking huge and there's so much to learn every single day. And I want to experience as much of it as possible. And when you mentioned, you know, a lot of us have heard bad things that shut us down. I think that uh, the important thing to know is that those bad things that people say, they people don't stop saying them. So it's not like, oh, I, I healed and I did all my stuff and now everybody's really nice to me and nobody says you deserved this or you whatever. That stuff doesn't go away. People still say those things and they're still triggering sometimes, depending on how well I've worked through whatever it is or the context. Is it a new, is it a new trigger that's coming up or is it just like remnants of something old? But people still say that stuff, but I have, I have a different understanding of what I want my life to be. I know what it's like to hide. I have lived that life. I know what it's like to shut it down and close in and isolate. I don't choose to live that life. So when people continue to make those comments to me, I, if I'm triggered, I can, I can work on the trigger, right? But I at least know that there's, I don't, I don't need to take anything from that. That's not, it's not adding something. It's not adding value to my life. Sometimes I'm triggered and I'm like, okay, look, let me address this trigger. A, B, they were just being an asshole. <laughs> or they're speaking from their own place of hurt, right? Um, and C, Sometimes I have something to learn from it. Like sometimes it's not just the trigger. Sometimes like, oh, maybe I do want to change my behavior. Maybe what I did isn't completely aligned with what I believe or what I think. I don't have to stay on this like, oh, just because I said something mean, they're the bad person and I'm going to keep doing what I'm doing. I, I check in. Like, is there actually something for me to learn from this? And if there's not and there's no value added to it, then cool. But if there is and there's some kind of value that's beyond just me working through the trigger, then I want to be able to have the the thoughtfulness and the curiosity to be able to to be open to receiving that, even if it's coming in a in a really shitty package. <laughs> like, I don't like that package, but I, I'm willing to think about it. And the same thing goes with judgments, right? Like when judgments come up, I used to be like, I shouldn't judge. I shouldn't judge. I want to be a good person. I don't want to judge. Yeah, but you are. You're judging. So you don't have to judge yourself for judging, right? So I can take that judgment and be curious about it. Like, oh, I wonder why this judgment's coming up. I feel it. It's there. Is it just that I have to heal something or is there something more to it? Like, am I like to be curious about those things that come up. And I think that being curious about it is much more helpful and much more valuable than just deciding that it's good or bad or right or wrong, if that makes any sense. Not always easy to be curious about it. Sometimes I got to vent about it first because I'm like, whoa. <laughs> no, it, it, it totally makes sense. It totally makes sense. And I think like, like we're saying with triggers, like judgment and jealousy and envy, like those are all just great teachers. And it really is a, a hard thing but like we're saying like the way you heal is actually by feel like feeling so when you do feel judgment like or yeah judgment like you're not gonna cure judgment by piling on more judgment so yeah. <laughs> you might <laughs> as well just feel so natural to be like oh. yeah <laughs> <laughs> like you might as well just accept that you're judging so then you could start talking about what it is that that bothers you about it you know and either accept like they're just not for you 
or there's something you might desire that you're you're seeing. Um, but another thing that came through is like the receiving of negativity or, you know, when you, you do receive that, like say in the beginning before like meeting community and stuff, like you have to understand that like things in life, they're not about you, but they are for you. And, you know, you, you shouldn't, like, we can't become what we experience. We have yeah. to understand that what we experience is about our becoming rather than our demise, pretty much, you know? Yeah. And I feel like, and and I, I don't say this to be, like, insensitive to, to what ha happened in your situation. And, yeah. um, and not that this is, I shouldn't compare. You know, we live different lives. Don't do that. Um, <laughs> I, so... <laughs> I too, like, I had a situation where I went out and I was unexpectedly attacked by a dog in like nature and it was super traumatizing. And I too felt like the whole world sucked and I just expect bad and yada, yada, yada. And the thing that started making, I started to make peace with is the realization is like, life had to bite me to wake me up to my mm, purpose yeah. because I wasn't waking up to it. And, and when I started to play back the series of events before leading up to that attack, yeah. I I see myself going smaller and smaller and smaller. And I don't believe that life did it to stop me. I believe life did it to wake me the fuck up because if it didn't, I was going to sleep for for the rest of my life. Yeah. And 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 almost like life like shot you back to life, you know? Yeah. And, and I, I'm so grateful that you you found this awareness of of like you weren't meant to die then. Like I, I even when you said that, like I, I, you know, we we don't know each other that well, but I'm like I couldn't even imagine my life not having you here right now. You know what I mean? And so I'm so grateful, and also to the person's life who who didn't live. I'm I'm grateful because the, he shaped you too. You know, his life didn't go in vain. He did not die with no cause. Like he is part of the reason why you're doing what you're doing today, and you're speaking, and you're here right now. Like. God did all this for for us to to recognize the value of what what's happening and and the importance and the 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 shortness and the urgency, you know. And so, I mean, I I honor his life and and what the teachings that that experience taught you. And you know, of course, I would never want that to happen to anybody, you know. No, but, but I'm, that means I'm grateful so much to me. that you you you're here today. You know, you deserve to be Thank here. You. And you deserve, you. and he deserves his story, you know? And every time you share that, like, just know, like, his physical body died, but you keep his life alive, you know? Yeah, that means so much to me. Okay, really. Oof. I'm going to take some time after this to really process everything because it, it means so much to me. And I, um, in terms of valuing what happened, I think about it all the time because look, like you have a choice after something happens, you have a choice to think about all the ways, all the things that it took away from you, which I spent a lot of time doing. And then you can think about all of the things that it added. And I, when I think about if what I'm meant to be doing is this work, which it makes me so happy. Like this has been my dream since the beginning of time, since I was the youngest person in the world, all I wanted to do was be a dancer, which is interesting because so much of my life was spent not doing that because of fear. Um, so it all, I still feel imposter syndrome sometimes doing it because I, I feel so called to it and I feel like it's always been what I've meant to do, but I haven't. So it, it feels brand new in some ways. But I think about if I was never shot, 
I would teach belly dancing very differently. My understanding of accommodating different body types and different movements and the ways that your body evolves over time. Like I was walking with a cane for a good portion of my 20s. That changes the way that I see the world and the way that I move through the world. And even though at the time that I was walking with a cane, I wasn't doing a great job of being reflective. I was be doing a great job of being angry and frustrated. I wasn't like sitting there being like, oh, if if you have this different body, how can you? I, I wasn't reflective at all. I just was frustrated and I felt like my life, you know, those, those thoughts that people have when they turn 40 and 50 and 60 and 70, which is like, it's just going downhill from here kind of thing. Instead of thinking, this is changing the way that I look at my body and it's changing the way that I teach movement in the world. It's changing the way that I see belly dance. Belly dance has always been accessible in my culture, but I didn't necessarily see that because I there things become invisible to you when you don't experience them sometimes. Right. So I have my just this summer, my auntie was dancing in her wheelchair. She's 90 years old and her hands were moving. And I've danced with her when she was much younger, when she was in her 70s, which she was phenomenal. And I like you see some of my aunties dancing in their 70s. It's so incredible that I can't even imagine what she was like when she was younger because I didn't get to see her dancing when she was younger. She lives in Tanzania. But I saw her dancing this summer. When she's 90 years old, you know, she's not always like fully conscious of what's going on around her, but a song came on that she loved. She started smiling and moving her hands. And I saw that and I've seen things like that all throughout my life, but I haven't been as conscious of them because I haven't, when you're young, you don't always think about the ways that your body will change, except that I was forced into it. And so I, I had to think about the ways that my body would change. And I had a choice. I can either hate my body for the rest of my life, or I can figure out a way to love it as it is in every moment as it changes. And also like express when I feel like I'm angry and I can't stand it. I think full ex expression is important to me. I, I think venting is really fantastic. And I take advantage of it when I need to, because it helps me get to the point where I'm like, all right, I've cleared out the feelings I I've let myself fully express. And now I can think, what does this look like for me moving forward? And I, I now notice the differences in bodies and the ways that they move. And I think about, okay, if I'm belly dancing and I'm belly dancing with one arm, what would that look like? And how would I accommodate that? Or how would, how would somebody with one arm move in that way? What would it look like for somebody who has back problems or what would it look like for somebody who has hip problems i think about those things more and again when i'm teaching on tiktok i'm just teaching to a general audience so i can't it's hard to know all of the different accommodations that i could be thinking of so i don't do as much of that there but when i'm teaching in person i know that you can show up and if the only thing you can move is your eyes we can find a dance for you you know what i mean like there's you can you can still dance. And I wouldn't come into belly dance with that perspective if I hadn't been shot and hadn't had to go through, even hadn't had to go through that whole period of time where I couldn't move in the same way that I used to. So I have a, there's a lot that I've gotten from that experience. The most recent thing that I've learned about it just in this past couple of months that I've been reflecting on is 
the um, accessibility piece and how it's taught me how to teach better. And I know there will be more things in my life that will teach me how to teach better too. And I'm excited about them. And, you know, maybe I'll have a hard time with them as they come up, but that's what helps me learn how to, how to move through it and how to be compassionate when other people are having a hard time moving through it. Accessibility is the bridge to all of us. And, and that representation is just so important. And, you know, you having that well-rounded experience, you know, like is, is so vital. And the part that like, I keep hearing in my head, the song, Hallelujah, he says, um, you don't really care for music, do you? And that part actually Mm. is him referring to God, like saying Mm. like, you don't, you don't actually, it's not about the music. And for me, what I interpret is like how we were talking about earlier of like perfectionism, you know, and God knew you were a beautiful dancer but it, it didn't matter like, cause this is what your purpose actually is, you know? And I think we get so caught up in the, the perfectionism and the, the way it looks and we, we miss out like on the juices of this, you know, of yes. what you're speaking about and, and the way that you can have this perception of life, you know? Um, I grew up, uh, my mom has always had like physical disabilities. And so I always had that side to me, like awareness and it's such a heartwarming thing to speak with another person who has that own awareness too. My mom loves to dance, loves to dance, but she won't go take a dance class, you know, cause mm-hmm. she'll feel like she can't maybe keep up or something, you know, she can't move the same yeah. way. And, you know, I think it's just such a great thing because dance movement is home. Like that, that's really just what it is. It is home. It is. And that's why we feel out of our body when we don't do it. Yes, it teaches you to find a home in your body. Like it, it teaches mm-hmm. you how to reconnect with it. And also I recognize there are different ways of practicing dance, right? And there are ways that are, you know, it's supposed to be a strict movement and it's supposed to be done in a certain way. And there are a lot of people that practice belly dance in that way um, because that there are different cultural practices and there are different ways that it's been appropriated and changed over time. And... I think sometimes in all of that, we lose the value in having dance practices that are improvisation, that are about interpreting it, interpreting that movement. You know, belly dance is about isolating different body parts. So if you're isolating different body parts, it can look completely different on different bodies. It should look different on different bodies. Even if you're doing a dance where it's like you're your elbow must move in this way, your shoulder must be in this position, it's still going to look different on different bodies. We're not robots. It's actually the beauty of, I think, witnessing movement is seeing it done differently in a different body. I wish that we could value that more and not feel like we we all have to look the same or move the same or, you know, we're working on that. <laughs> we are. We really are. Oh my gosh. I have loved this conversation so much today. I have feel like I I look forward to editing this, (laughs) the value and just receiving it again. I I'm excited to share this episode and I just thank you. I thank you for your vulnerability. I thank you for your expression. I thank you for your openness. Thank you. My heart feels so warm. If there, um, is there any last message that you would like to leave my listeners with in relation to moving their bodies, going and finding what they love and just connecting to self? I would love for you to share and hold space for that. 
I think the biggest piece of advice that I could give right now is the piece of advice I, I chose for myself this year, which every year I choose a word. And it's different. Sometimes it's like rise, sometimes it's abundance. Sometimes it's like, it's like, what are you drawing in this year? What do you want to be? What do you want to do? For me this year, I hate the word consistency. I can't stand it. It makes my skin crawl because I it feels like an obligation and it feels like a rule and I want to break it immediately. So my words, word phrase for this year was showing up. And so what I want to invite everybody who's listening to do is to just show up whatever it is that you want to accomplish whether it's a dream whether it is moving in your body whether it's you know getting that promotion whether it's whatever taking on a project it's just all you have to do is show up you don't have to be great it doesn't have to be perfect you don't have to do it the right way the first time you can fail and still be successful at showing up all you have to do is show up. And I will say that for me this year, that was extremely powerful because even on my hardest days, I knew I could show up and just say, I'm here, but I'm having a hard time. And I, for me, it's helped me do the hard, scary things. It's helped me move through a lot of fear and it's helped me be compassionate with myself when I show up and don't do it successfully. I literally just yesterday, I'm recording a six week belly dance program right now. And it's for some reason, it's been really challenging for me because recording a program is just putting something out. I'm not, it's not community. It doesn't feel like community until it's out there, right? So I feel like I'm speaking at a screen. I don't, I'm not getting the, the interaction that I desire, crave when I'm belly dancing. So I made a video yesterday. So I, I've been telling myself all I have to do is show up. <laughs> like a 30 minute video yesterday. And at the end of the video, I realized I had food on my face, on both sides of my face. I was like, how did I not realize I made this whole video? No. I've had sound problems. I've had whatever. Everything that could go wrong has gone wrong, right? But that's, <laughs> that's, that is the worst thing that could go. But it's so me. It is so me. Like I will, I will I love break it. things and I'm so ungraceful in real life. Okay. In real life, people think I'm graceful online because they see the finished product of things. I'm so awkward. But anyways, I reminded myself that I still did a good job because I still showed up and I'm going to show up again today. Right after this, I'm going to record the exact same video over again. And I'm just going to keep showing up until this program is finished and it's out in the world. And it is a, it'll create community as an online program that people get to experience all over the world instead of just, you know, the people that I'm able to interact with live. So I'm saying that to say that showing up is not always easy and it's not always successful, but if that's what you choose to do, you will eventually find success. It's inevitable. If you keep showing up, success is inevitable. If you don't let failure stop you from doing whatever it is that you want to accomplish, you'll accomplish it. Whatever the timeline looks like, you'll get there. Thank you so much. That was beautiful. And lastly, um, you did share a little bit about how you're releasing a six week program. Um, yes. What are the ways that people can connect with you and um, other resources that you have available right now that they could also be checking out? Yes. So one is, you know, if you want to hear about the six week program, you can sign up for my newsletter. 
Um, but the, I think the best ways to connect with me right now and the six week program in person in Southern California and online both launch in January. Um, so you can like start the year off, right? So fun. Cause we can get our goals accomplished and just set ourselves up for a success. I get excited about that. Um, but obviously I'm on TikTok. I'm on Instagram on Instagram. I just share the same stuff on TikTok, but I, I share more in my stories about my life and about whatever's going on on Instagram. Um, I have a YouTube channel where I have uh, tutorial videos for anyone who wants to learn how to belly dance. They are, they're the older videos that I was talking about where I'd be in yoga pants and tank top and teaching. It was before I was comfortable wearing more traditional clothing. So on TikTok, you'll see me wearing my more traditional clothing. Um, on YouTube, you'll see it's the same kind of movement, though. So if you're interested in learning movement, um, that's the best place. And yeah, I hope that I get to dance with everybody someday. I love meeting new people and dancing with them. And I hope I get to dance with you someday. Oh, I'm yes. so grateful for your wisdom. I'm so excited to rewatch this because there were so many things where I was like, damn it, I want to write that down. But I we're in the middle of a conversation. I don't want to be writing. But you had so many delicious nuggets of wisdom that I just want to sit with because, yeah, you're brilliant. I'm so grateful for you. Thank you. The I, the reflection is likewise. You are absolutely an intelligent woman and such an inspiration. You're so fierce. And I just thank you. Thank you for blessing <laughs> me. Thank you for blessing me and blessing the energy of this podcast. I just... Ah, I'm soaring and I look forward to dancing with you. If you ever have like an in-person like live event in Southern California, definitely like let me know. Absolutely. I I I will make it a life goal that we dance together Yay. and and maybe dance more than once together because yes. I feel that there's a lot of energy and cultivating of work that we're meant to be doing together and Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I'm so grateful. I wholeheartedly agree. And I realized that in the showing up advice, I didn't include the most important part, which is like grab a friend. People, some people call them accountability partners, like grab somebody that's also trying to accomplish something and do it with them. I don't call them accountability partners because I hate the word accountability. I think it's really, it just feels hard. <laughs> I was waiting. I was like, I was waiting. I'm like, okay, she doesn't like this word. What's the word? <laughs> what's the word do you like for that? I don't like anything that feels like you have to do it and it's gonna be hard. Okay, so one of my best friends and I, we we have celebration calls. <laughs> Where we just get together and we're like, all right, what have you accomplished? And we celebrate each other and then we're like, all right, what do you want to accomplish? So it's literally an accountability call, but we call it a celebration call because it feels so much better and it's so much more fun. And we always eat or drink something delicious while we're on the call together mm -hmm. um, so that we feel like we're together. We haven't seen her in so long. She lives in D.C. But, you know, it doesn't matter if the person's right there or if the person's far away. We do it every other week. You can find somebody who's trying to figure something out. And if you don't have community or close friends, you can always sign up for There are so many programs and groups that encourage connection between people. So I think that for me always helps, you know, having somebody guide you or having somebody that's just there with you, cheering you on. It's hard to show up by yourself. Absolutely. Celebration partners. I like that. Yeah. Said accountability partners, find your celebration partner. <laughs> Doesn't it sound so fun? It sounds so delicious. I love it. I it's know. yummy. <laughs> it is, right. and it really is. 
All right. Thank you guys so much. I love you all. And I will talk to you guys next week. I want to take a moment and bow my head to all of you. I place my hand on my heart and I extend my love to each and every one of you. Thank you for your encouragement. Thank you for your support. Thank you for your love. And thank you for choosing you. If you would like to support me further, please head over to Apple Podcasts and leave a rating and a review. And also head over to Spotify and leave a rating there. If you would like to work with me one-on-one or in my online community, you can find out more information at www.marcolinalion.com. I send you all with so much love, beautiful beings. Keep shining brighter and brighter.